Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We'll teach here for a few moments. Now, we two weeks ago, we... For a while there, in cooperation with teaching on faith on Sunday, we started teaching on hindrances to faith, and then we've got over into redemption on Sunday, and so we've gone over kind of into what I call these four pillars of a spiritual walk. And so we're using kind of, uh, using Galatians as kind of a, uh, what would you call a jumping off place, jumping off spot, uh, to look into the Word of God and see how to live a spiritual life. Now, just because you get born again, or even because you get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, that does not mean you're living a spiritual life. One of the amazing phenomenons of the new birth is you're still left with a mind that must be renewed and flesh that wants to go crazy. I mean, thank God for what God's done in our spirit. I mean, that's the most important part. But you're going to have to take responsibility for your mind and responsibility for your flesh. Now, a lot of people don't understand that, and a lot of people don't like the word responsibility. That's a word, you know, in our 2018 you know, generation, whatever you want to call us, that people, you know, they just, they want everybody else, you know, they want a fire starts at the house, you want the fire department to take responsibility. You got a problem in your body, you want the doctor to take responsibility. You want, you know, whatever it is, you want somebody else to take the responsibility. But when it comes to your spiritual growth and development, you're the only one that can take responsibility for it. You can't blame the pastor, you can't blame the evangelist, you cannot blame anybody. If you fall behind or lag behind in your own personal growth and development, it's up to you. You've got to just make up your mind. I've always said it like this, and I think it, you know, for all the years we were on the field and then all the years we've been pastoring, I've always said it like this. You've got to ask God for a great big want to on the inside of you for spiritual things. Now, I was raised in church and raised around spiritual things, but, you know, the reason it really didn't take hold in me as a young person is I, it was just something that my parents brought me to and exposed me to. Thank God they did. But when I got right with God 35 years ago, I had to make a decision. I better do something about this. I was sharing with somebody the other day a, a, a business deal that was offered me. Uh, I've told the story several times. I mean, it wasn't three weeks. I was, you know, I'd come out of a lifestyle of just, just craziness and, and was, you know, I knew I was called to preach. I mean, I, when I, my worst day in sin, I still knew I was called to preach. You can't run from God. It's still on the inside of you. And, and, you know, and then, and then three weeks, you know, the devil, he'll come after you. He'll do everything he can do to try to get you off track. Three weeks after I'm back to the Lord, I, I'm going to every meeting I can go to. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm staying away from the wrong crowd. And here comes this business deal. I was a, a technician in the cable TV industry, and, and actually it, it, it climbed to the, to the top of the ladder. And many of the hotels all over the world, this is back in the mid-'80s, had been, many of them had not been wired for coaxial cable TV. So you had to do what was called an outside wire. You couldn't go in and pre-wire a new one. This is for outside wiring of the old ones, which was very easy to do. All you did was run the wires on the outside and staple them to the, to the stucco or to the wood, and, man, you're done. And they were going to pay me $100 a room. And all of these old hotels were 400 rooms and bigger. I mean, you're talking about making probably into the millions of dollars. But I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to have to do something about my spiritual walk that I was going to have to obey God. Of course, I ended up in Bible school that fall, ended up in the ministry. But here's the thing. The enemy will always try to do something to distract you 
from your spiritual growth and development because he knows the more you grow and develop spiritually, the more of a threat you are to the kingdom of darkness. That's why he doesn't want you growing and developing spiritually. So we've used these four what I call pillars. Now let me go over them real, uh, real quick. Number one, everybody say number one, meditate on the word. We'll look at that tonight. Meditate upon the word. Then practice the word. Everybody say practice the word. Then number three, put the word first. Everybody say put the word first. And then number four, learn to obey the voice of God's Spirit. Everybody say God's Spirit. Now, there in Galatians, since you're in Galatians 5, let's look at our scripture that we've kind of been jumping off on. It says here, it says, uh, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, notice that's a simple scripture. Notice what it says again. It says, walk in the Spirit. Now, I've looked, I've, I've studied this scripture in several translations. And even, even got listened to some teaching of, of men I trust uh, on this subject here in the past couple of weeks. And most agree that the S in the word spirit here should not be capitalized. Because it says here to walk, you know, if it's capitalized, that means to walk in the spirit or to walk in the Holy Spirit. But most of the teachers that I've been able to study after agree that this is actually means that we should walk after the dictates, the mandates, and the growth that comes out of our own human spirit. Because how are you going to walk in the, in the capital S Holy Spirit if your little S human spirit is not growing and developing? Amen. Amen. So you say, well, I believe it's the other. Well, either way, you're going to have to grow up in the spirit. Now, the first one we looked at was meditate. Everybody say meditate. Go over to Joshua real quick. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture. Joshua 1. I like this. Verse 8. God speaking to Joshua says, This book of the law, well, in this day and hour, we'd say the Word of God. Say, say the Word of God. The Word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now let me just say something about confession. My goodness. Has there ever been an attack against, you know, I think of the doctrines that the devil attacks. He always attacks prosperity. He always attacks uh, 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 the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I'm going to tell you another one. He always attacks confession. People say, you're not part of that name it and claim it crowd. Well, absolutely I am. I see it in the Word. I'm going to name it and I'm going to claim it. But I was meditating, as the Word of God says to do, the other day. And I began to think about how words create an atmosphere. I don't know if you've ever walked into a, to a room or, or, or walked into a place uh, where somebody had been arguing, but you really didn't hear them argue. You really, didn't, you really didn't, uh, you know, you didn't hear any harsh words said, but you walked in there and you could just feel there was strife in that room. The reason you could feel that is because of the words that were said. So words do create an atmosphere. Listen, if you don't like the atmosphere of your home, you need to change your words. You don't like the atmosphere of your car, you need to change your words. If you don't like the atmosphere of your, of your job where you work, you need to change your words. If there's anything about your life you don't like, you're going to have to change your words. So God instructs Joshua and instructs us also. He said, don't let the word depart out of your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. Constantly, every day, you should be speaking the word over your life. Speaking the word over circumstances, situations, speaking the word over your health. So, I mean, Lee and I, we constantly speak the word over you guys as part of Island Church. Over the ministries that come out of this church. Over, uh, over we had a, had a wonderful greeting from uh, our church in Ireland, uh, 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 Ryan and Kimberly Penn. 
And, man, we constantly speak the Word of God over them because they got a vision to put island churches all over Ireland. One of you one day may be pastoring a church in Ireland because we have people with vision over there to put island churches all over Ireland. Amen? Well, praise God, we did the groundwork. For 14 years, we traveled, preached, raised up churches. Now we need to go in and raise up more. Amen? Amen. Well, we keep the Word in our mouth. It'll create the atmosphere. I like to say it like this. Word of God in your mouth will create an atmosphere of victory in your life. Without the Word of God in your mouth, you will have an uh, an atmosphere of defeat. It's automatic. You don't even have to put effort into it. It'll just be there. Amen? So don't let the Word of God depart out of your mouth. Everybody say, my mouth. Uh, Shall not depart out. But thou shalt meditate. Everybody say, meditate. Meditate therein day and night. Well, this gives you the time frame in which you're supposed to meditate. (laughs) Amen. Day and night. Everybody day and night. I heard one guy say it once. He says, you know, I have a rule about eating. He said, I only eat if I'm by myself or with somebody. It's kind of like that with the Word of God. You say, when are you supposed to meditate on the Word of God? Either day or night. All the time. Now, meditate. Every one of us are expert meditators. Because I'm not, this is not instructing you to do something you cannot do. This is something you have practiced your whole life. But you've done it in the negative. There's another word we have for it. It's called worry. Have you ever worried? You have a problem you can worry about? You ever had a, had a situation, circumstance? And it's amazing how the enemy can get you about five or six things in your life that you need to worry about, and you'll worry about this one, and worry about this one, and worry about this one, and worry about that one. And, and the enemy has a way of getting all of them like an orchestra leader, like getting a big orchestra going and making this big old sound of worry in your life. And you worry. Listen, worry leads to stress. Stress leads to anxiety. And doctors even tell us that the, the, the reason for many sicknesses and disease in the earth today is stress and anxiety. And many people are stressed and anxious. Is because, the reason is, is because they worry, and what they worry about, they give voice to. They birth it through their words. I mean, there's people right now, right now, talking about the flu season. Hey, did you get your flu shot? I see they're running a special down at Walgreens. They got puffs on for half price and, and, and what is, a, 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 you know, the cold medications, they're on special. And they, they start talking, I mean, they're talking about it on the news, talking about, see, we don't believe in flu season around here. Amen. Were you here the other night when we took our flu shots? Amen. Amen. No needles came out. We just spoke the word. Now, meditate. Everybody say meditate. In the Hebrew, if you study the word, it literally means to mutter or to turn over and over and over. So under your breath, during the day, at any given time, you can take a script. You can take, like Philippians 4.19, just, oh, Father, I thank you. You know, man, ah, so good, God. Man, you're just so good. You're so good. You're my God. You supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ. Oh, I'm so thankful, Father. I'm so thankful. You say, well, people think I'm crazy. Well, they already think that. I mean, people do that all the time. You walk through a mall, you go so There's always people muttering, talking under their breath, doing things like that. Why don't you just go ahead and join the crowd, but do it on the right side. Do it on the word side. 
Learn to mutter, learn to speak, learn to think the Word of God. Many times I catch myself just thinking the Word, thinking the Word. Because like we talked about the other day, in the war that goes on in your mind, what the enemy wants to do is to put a thought in your mind that you entertain. Because if he sees you entertain that thought, he will amplify it. And then what he will do is he will literally manipulate you into speaking that which you've been entertaining. Now you got a mess on your hands. Because you're created in the likeness and image of God, and you're a being who does what? Creates things by its words. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of the dramas in life we can avoid if we just quit creating them. You say, how do we quit doing that? Quit meditating on the wrong thing and quit saying the wrong thing. Everybody say meditate. No, not medicate. Meditate. Meditate there in day and night. Now notice this. That thou mayest observe to do. That thou mayest observe to do. That leads to the second point we made. Amen. You say, what you? well, to practice the word or to be the doer of the word. Now let me say this. A lot of people try to get the, 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 the horse in front of the cart. You know, they'll see a scripture in the word and say, well, I'm going to act on that. And they act on that, but they don't have any faith for it. That's called presumption. A lot of people have got themselves in trouble because they have not taken time to meditate upon the Word before they act upon it so that faith will have an opportunity to come and the Holy Ghost will have opportunity to give you revelation in the Word. And so they, they, many times that happens because of an inspirational testimony. Brother so-and-so gave away his car and got an airplane. So you go and give your car away and end up with a skateboard. Well, you didn't hear the rest of the story. Everybody say the rest of the story. He meditated on the Word. Revelation came to him. He practiced the Word. He put the Word first. And then by a word from the Spirit of God, he gave away his car and got an airplane. That's how it works. All you heard was he got an airplane. That's why, that's why the faith message gets such a bad rap because so many people have done things through presumption. But you've got to have a little patience. You've got to meditate upon the Word. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to meditate on the Word. I'm going to give the Holy Ghost an opportunity to give me revelation. What does the word revelation mean? To uncover from the source. It becomes that which God says to you. The other day when I was sharing my testimony about when I first came back to the Lord and, and, and Brother Mark Hankins sent me a, 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 a big... A, they, I think he showed me, you, have, you still have one of those, Dustin, one of those uh, tape series on redemption. Great tape series. I wore it out. Didn't even work anymore. After about a year, it was, it was just junk. And so I went to one of his meetings, and he gave me another one. But this is what I said, and I think it bears hearing. I listened to Mark Hankins preach the word on redemption to what Mark Hankins said became what God said to me. And when what God said to me became what I was hearing in the Word of God. Revelation came and I was able to act on it. It's the same way. A lot of people, that's why they get frustrated with tithing. They hear about tithe. Well, we don't want to tithe. Tithing's under the old law. But the problem is they never got into the Word. They never, they never meditated. They never let faith come. And so many people are just, quote, good Christians, so they want to step out and obey God. But the real uh, revelation of tithing never worked for them because they're just doing it through presumption. You've got to meditate on, listen, healing's the same way. I could get off on all these different subjects of prosperity, of healing, breakthroughs, your ministry, all these different things. 
You've got to meditate upon the Word. You've got to keep it in your mouth, which is part of meditation. Then you observe to do. Notice the pattern. Wait and observe to do. Let faith come. So then faith cometh. Let it come. Let it come. You say, well, how do you know when you have it? You'll know. Say, how will I know? It removes the doubt. Doubt will be removed. I've had people for years, especially we've taught on faith in Bible schools all over the world in different places, and people always ask me, how do you know when you have faith? And I've always said, it's not really the issue of how you know if you have faith. It's how you know if you don't. You say, how do you know if you don't? You have a question. Doubt always produces questions. Faith says, I have it and I have it now. Doubt will say, I wonder if I'm healed. I still feel symptoms in my body. The Faith says, I don't care what I feel in my body. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. See what I'm saying? So you've got to be willing to stay in the Word of God to the point that faith comes and you're able to act upon the Word of God. Now notice what it says. Then thou shalt observe to do all that, according to all that is written therein. For then, now this is amazing, because when you, when you bring this out many times, people kind of get shocked. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and you shall have good success, or thou shalt have good success. Now, who's it say going to make your way prosperous? Now, see, that's something right there that people struggle with. Well, I want God to make my way prosperous. Well, God puts the ball back in your court. God says, I'm going to give you the words you need, the spirit you need, the teaching you need, the training you need, the anointing you need, the courage you need. I'm going to give you everything you need. But you're the one that's going to have to act on it. You're the one that's going to have to say it. You're the one that's going to have to do it. You're the one that's going to have to stand on it. You're the one that's going to have to worship God. You're the one that's going to have to praise Him. And you're the one that's going to have to walk this thing out. It goes back to that word responsibility. Who's, who's responsible for making... Listen, you can come up with every... Well, I didn't go to the right conference. Don't have the right pastor. Didn't go to the right... Church. Listen, you can have an excuse for failure all day long or with the same effort you're making excuses, you can be walking in victory. Amen? And I've heard tons of them, of people of why they failed, where they failed, when they failed. And let me just say this. Failures should never set you back. Failure should be a motivator for you to go to another level. I've always said this. When you fail or fall, fall forward. You say, what do you mean by that? If you fall forward, then many times you're falling in righteousness, which means you just got out into some presumption or assumption, and literally when you fall forward, you get up ahead of where you fell from. But if you fall back, which is usually because of sin... Didn't get any amens on that one, did I? When you fall backwards, which usually is because of sin, then you fall back. And now, you, now you've got to make up, you've got to catch up, you've got to be restored just to get back to the place you were at. But if you're continually moving forward in the things of God, moving forward in faith, doing all you can do to make your own way prosperous, and you miss it, and you fail, then all God does is He just picks you up in front of where you fell from and gets you going on down the road. Listen, it's, amazing, it's been amazing to me over the years to watch how every endeavor in life, these ministers can attest to this, every endeavor in life, people learn it through failure. From riding a bike, to learning how to talk, 
to everything we ever do. You don't start out perfect at it. But if you really have a heart to want to do it, you know, I watch people play golf. I've watched people play different sports and things like that. I've done it myself. And everything I've ever endeavored to do, if I really wanted to do it, I had to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it and stay with it and stay with it because I failed every time I did it until the one time I became successful and then that just launched me into whatever I wanted to do. But when it comes to spiritual things, the first time someone fa- doesn't get a prayer answered, doesn't get goosebumps in a service, doesn't get healed in the prayer line. Come on. Well, it doesn't work. Come on. It just may be God may be wanting you to work it another way. Your prayer line days may be over. And your faith days may be beginning. Amen. Amen. People People are required by God to grow up in the things of God. You need to observe to do all that is written therein then you will make your way prosperous and you, now listen to me, will have good success. That means not all success is good success. i tell you, I've seen success on the sports level and the business level, the entertainment level and the ministry level. And I've seen people on every level get success that was not good success. Now, let me give you a couple of things about good success that will help you. Number one, good success will always give glory to God for its success. There will never be an I or a me written in to the report of success. You say, what do you mean by it? You'll give the glory to God. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, I ought to get a better amen than that. Good success always gives the glory to God. That's what good success is. Number two, Good success never hurts or harms people to get to a place of success. Now, you go into the corporate world, and I guarantee you, there's people that have climbed to the top of corporate ladders, and they ain't left nothing but bodies behind them, physically, mentally, and spiritually. You say, what do you mean by They'll do anything to crawl to the top. Anything for money, anything for success. But the problem is many of them are addicted. Many of them are afflicted. Many of them have mental issues. Many of them have a lot of money in a bank and they trade every bit of it for just a few days of sleep without drugs. They don't have any peace. It's not good success. Amen. So you, 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 you give God the glory. Everybody say give God the glory. You don't hurt or harm people. And then the last one is this. Good success is always success you're willing to share. I've always noticed that somebody gets some success and they want to just gather to himself and be stingy. and You know, that success is going to warp them. It's going to hurt them. Man, I'll tell you, we've talked about this before. The statistics on the lottery are alarming of people that have gotten these windfalls of millions of dollars and it's ruined their life. It has ruined more lives than it has blessed. Because you can't throw money at the problems of life and expect money to do anything. You can't do that. And you can't take 10, 15, 20 million dollars and hand it to somebody who's working up here at uh, one, of the, one of the plants or over at UTMB and making 65, 70, 80 thousand dollars a year and say, here you go, change your, they're not going to do it. The divorce rates, every, all kinds of the divorce rates, the suicide rates are, are off the charts. You say, why? It's not good success. But I'm telling you, success that you spend years in the Word of God, in prayer, 
in faithfulness, proving that God is a good God and a faithful God, standing on the principles of the Word of God that you know are true, and the next thing you know, success begins to come a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Next thing you know, you look around your life and you have good success, success you give glory to God for, success you hadn't hurt anybody to get, and success you're willing to share with others, and I guarantee you, you're going to have peace. You'll have peace at night. You'll be able to lay down and sleep. And you'll be able to thank God for everything you have. And let me say this. The last thing is your success will not own you. And when your success does not own you, then things do not own you. And that's what God wants you to have, success that does not own you. I, I was thinking the other day, I've been blessed over the years to preach to some great, preaching some great conferences, with great speakers, large crowds, and, and several, several of the conferences that I preached in, two to three of the preachers would fly in, in their own private jets. And I'm telling you, you could just sense the spirit of success on them. And I got to thinking about this. Brother John, I got to thinking about this. Could we have had Paul in any of our conferences? Hey, let's invite that guy in jail. I hear he's going to be getting out in a few weeks. You know, the one's been writing them crazy letters. Talking about being new creatures in Christ. I heard he had some great miracles over there in Ephesus. Special miracles, some of them were. But I'm telling you, every time we turn around, he's either getting whipped, stoned. He ain't flying no jet. He don't even have a horse or a mule. Sometimes I think we gauge success too much by materiality instead of spirituality. And the good success God talks about really doesn't have a root in materiality, has it in spirituality. And because of that, that's how we need to judge it. Amen? Now, real quick, go to, go to while, we're, while we're here in the Old Covenant, let's look, under, look at Psalms 1. There's another good one right there. Another meditation scripture. I like verse 1. Let's just start in verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Now let me just say this. Please be careful. And I've said this for years because I've noticed the effect that it has upon spiritual people like you, on congregations all over the place. Don't get caught up in the scornful communication of political rhetoric. Because even though it might be right, or it might not be right, there's a way that it's communicated that can get over on you. I mean, it'll jade you. It'll jade the way you hear things. And I've heard people say, well, like, they're so wrong. Well, whoever they are, they think someone else is so wrong. Amen? I mean, whatever side you're on, and it seems like the divide is getting wider and wider and wider. It's just... Two groups of people looking across at each other, scorning one another. And the problem with so much scorn being in our political process is the effort that's being put into the scorn is taken away from the, answer, the, the effort to answer all the problems. That's what scorn does. So Jesus said it like this. Don't only be careful what you hear, but be careful how you hear it. And there are things, Lena, we, you listen to things sometimes with a spiritual ear, and nah, we turn that off. Because even though it might be right, 
it's being communicated in such a scornful way that it may jade the way we listen to things. And listen, however you listen to things, that means that's how you go listen to the Word when you come to church. And you spend 10, 12, 15 hours a week listening to scornful political communication and come to church and think your ear is tuned correctly and spiritually to the things of God? Amen. That's why many times I've had people accuse me of saying things that I didn't say it. That's just how they heard it. I said, that's just how they heard it. So you got to be careful not only what you hear, but how you hear it. How do we get off on that? Man, that's good anyway, wasn't it? I won't even charge you for that one. It says, but he, everybody say he, or his, who is his? His is the blessed man. But his delight is in the law or in the word of the Lord. And in his law, he shall meditate day and night. So there's the time frame again. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit. Everybody say fruit. Or his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither. And, oh, I love this part. For no other reason, this is why you ought to be a meditator. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, we've got two promises. Now, now don't get all, well, Pastor, those are Old Testament. The Bible says all of the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. Every promise. We used to sing an old, old, old hymn and the old song in the assemblies of God. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm standing on his word divine. Every promise in the book is mine. So I see a promise, I name it and claim it. So Joshua said, what would we do? We would make our way prosperous and we would have good success. And David says what? It says, whatsoever we do shall prosper. Everybody say prosper. He said, what, is, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I'm going to have a bunch of... No, that means whatsoever you do, it's going to be successful. You're going to prosper in it. We've talked about over and over and over how everything in your life should be a platform for you to preach Jesus off of. Your hobbies, your, your everything about how, and we've talked about how, how you know, my dad, my, I, my brother, some of you have gone with us over the years. We've hunted, we've fished, we've done all these things. We've led guides to the Lord. We've prayed for people. We've got them healed. And now here I am after 34 years of doing that in the deer blinds, in the duck blinds, in the fishing boats all over southeast Texas. Amen. And Monday I'm going to get to stand before just about the elite of the outdoor industry in Texas, actually in America, and preach Mr. Bill Carter's funeral and preach the gospel to several thousand people because I decided to preach from my fishing boat, my duck blind, and my deer blind. Whatsoever you do, you shall prosper. That's called prosperity right there. I get to share Jesus with them. I get to tell him about how I led Mr. Carter to the Lord. And we'll be able to assure his family I know his location right now. I know where he's at. And get to talk about them about where is your eternal destination. Amen. God's already given me a message about the, the thieves on the cross. 
The Bible says not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy he has saved us. Listen, there's a thief on one side, there's a thief on another. And neither one of them can do anything about their life anymore. They can't get down off the cross and go be an evangelist. They can't get down off the cross and go be a pastor. They can't be a missionary to one of these countries. All they can do is to look at this man in between them and make a decision about that man. One man made a decision to scorn him. One man made a decision to belittle him. The other man made a decision to reverence him. The other man made a decision to honor him. And that man was justified by his observation of the one in the middle. It'll preach. (laughs) Amen? Whatsoever, everything will prosper in your life. You will be blessed in everything that you do. But notice, it's based on your willingness to do what? To just meditate on the Word of God. Now, I've listened. I've listened to ministers all of our life. Y'all know the ministers that have affected us and uh, spoken to our life. Another day I was listening to Brother Hagin teach. And he said this. He said he had had some, gotten to a flow in some meetings and was really blessed. And he had been fasting and praying over some things. But he said he was not getting to a place in prayer where he felt like, felt like he needed to get. A lot of people that pray know what that's like. And he made a decision, instead of praying, to meditate on the Word. Just to take his prayer time and take the Word of God and begin to do just what these two scriptures said right here. He said after two days of that, the current meeting that he was in was extended several more weeks. And he had the breakthrough that he could not get in prayer. He got through meditating on the Word of God. Now, I know that's just an example. But sometimes we need to pay attention to what happens in others' lives. Because the inspiration of what they do in obedience to the Word of God... Many times is the Holy Ghost going like this. Hey, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear what he did? That doesn't mean he stopped praying. Doesn't mean he stopped, but he just did something that the Word said. So he's going. It just ties right into that next point. You meditate on the Word. Then after you meditate on the Word, what happens? You become a doer of the Word. Now, doing the Word takes faith. We know the scripture over in James. It says to be a doer, not just a forgetful hearer. It talks about being double-minded. But listen, meditating and speaking the Word of God prepares your heart for obedience. Now let me say that again. Meditating and speaking the Word of God prepares your heart. And let me say it like this. Thank you, Lord. It, pre- it prepares your heart for correct obedience. You say, what do you mean by correct obedience? You do what God says the way God says to do it. Now let me say that again because that needs to be heard these days. You do what God says, but you also do it the way God instructs you to do it. Now, the old covenant is full of examples of men that did what God said, but they didn't do it the way God said to do it. Because one guy's life, when David was trying to move the Ark of the Covenant, amen, it cost others all kinds of things because as soon as they heard what God said, they immediately started out to do it their way. Look what what it did for King Saul. He he lost his kingship because of that. His family lost their, their lineage in Israel because he did what God said, but he did it his way. There's just something about God when it comes to obedience where he has carried you far enough 
for you to hear what He says that He wants you to do what He says the way He wants you to do it. Now, I found this out about faith and about the Lord. You can do things in a way in which you would think are better than the way God says do it, and you do it that way, and you end up in a mess. And you think, why did I do it that way? Or you can do what God says. Think about Joshua when he came up to Jericho. Now, Joshua was a military guy. He'd been a military guy for over 40-something years. I'm sure he could have sat down with his generals and came up with a plan to take Jericho. I mean, I'm sure it was a... You know, it was an intimidating city. The Bible says they could run three chariots abreast across the tops of the wall. They were so wide. But when he walked over there and stood facing Jericho and the captain of the host of the Lord was there, he gave him the instructions of how to take that city. And it didn't make a lick of sense. Walk around that city six times saying nothing. And you can imagine the temptation during those six days and six trips around that wall to do it another way. I bet there was murmuring in the camp. You can imagine the, 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 the uh, ridicule that was coming from the wall. <laughs> hey, man, I guarantee you, people were ridiculing, spitting on them, throwing garbage on them, hollering at them. What are you doing? Just walk around the wall? Walk around the wall? Why don't you come up here and fight us? Come on, why don't you come? I guarantee you, they were taunting them, doing everything they could do. But God said, but God said, but God said, six days, walk around this place. Don't say nothing. But on the seventh day, let all the people shout. And geologists today tell us that the wall did not fall to the right, to the left, front, or back. They were pushed straight down into the ground as if a huge weight was placed upon them and they were driven into the ground. That means a great big old angel just jumped up and down and drove those into the ground. And the armies of Israel ran across because they did it God's way. And the next battle was a total disaster because one person did not do it God's way. And they went up to fight some little old village and they beat the tar out of those Israelites. And they had to pray, they had to seek God, they had to do all kinds of things to find out who didn't do it God's way. And what did it cost those people? Everything. It cost them their lives. Then they had to recover. Many times, and I'll close with this, this will help you. Many times we have a lot of zeal to obey God, but we're not willing to do it His way, so we have to exhaust the commodity of faith on recovery. Now, don't get me wrong. God is merciful. God is merciful. But please, I urge you as your pastor, do not spend your life in recovery. Recovering yourself from things that you did to yourself because of your unwillingness to do what God said His way. Just do it His way. And let God be God, and you enjoy the benefits. Amen? Amen? Praise God. You love the Lord tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand on your feet. Glory to God. Don't forget prayer tomorrow night. What, are we, what time are we doing prayer tomorrow? 7 to 8. And then Sunday, uh, Saturday night, 6 to 7. We're going to take Friday off.
Don't forget our conference next week. What else is going on, sweetie? Is that everything we need to know? Praise God. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord for a minute. Father, we worship you tonight. Oh, how we thank you. How we glorify your name. How we exalt you, Lord. Father, let your word go down into our spirit. Even, even what's taught tonight, let us meditate on it. Think about it. Go back and look at those scriptures in Joshua and Psalms. Let them turn over and over and over and over in our minds. Mutter them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we may observe to do. Oh, then we'll make our way proud. We'll have good success. Thank you, Father, for good success. Thank you, Father, for good success. Lord, let us be meditators. Let us grow in our spirit, man. Help us step by step, day by day, week by week, month by month, to grow into the good things of God. Fathers, we leave this place as is our tradition, we declare the protection and safety afforded us by your word. We declare over Island Church, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Fathers. We leave tonight. You watch over us. Thank you. Whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are protected and blessed. Thank you, Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, whether it be in the medical field, in education, up in the oil patch, Lord, construction, retail, no matter what it may be, Father, we thank you. We're not subject to the evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, as we leave tonight. We're ever in remembrance of a door of utterance open for us as individuals. Let us be sensitive to your spirit. So many, so many hurting. So many discouraged. So many lost and undone and without God. Let us be an answer to their prayer. A problem to the adversary. A miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Father, we leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.